Welcome to the Apartment Investor Show, where we help you get smart and invest smarter in multifamily real estate. I'm your host, JC Castillo, founder and managing principal of the Multifamily Property Group. And joining me as always is my good buddy, my co-host, my co-pilot, Mr. Paul Peebles, National Underwriter for Old Capital Lending. Paulie, how are you doing today? Doing great. Working from the house, as you can hear. I can't hear it. Well, Polly, as we're recording this and as you mute, mute yourself out, and thank you very much for that, we are right in the middle of the uh, shelter-in-place orders across the nation here. And so as you listeners can tell, uh, we got a lot of background stuff going on at each one of our houses. So if you hear uh, dogs barking, uh, kids screaming, uh, you know, things getting thrown at us uh, while we're working, then just pay no attention to that stuff because we are just doing this stuff on the fly. So, Polly, thank you so much for joining. Polly, you know, I'm so excited about today's show. Um, we are going to talk to, uh, and again, we always say it all the time. We don't like to talk to talking heads. We'd like to hear it from the experts. Today, we're going to talk to somebody who is right in the trenches, somebody who has a significant portfolio of apartment complexes and somebody who is navigating this economic downturn as we speak. And so today, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about how to navigate an economic downturn um, in the apartment business. And, and Paul, you know, what's so important about this is, you know, we are literally in the middle of, of a uh, economic downturn that's pending uh, from the coronavirus. And, you know, we had all these different plans about what we were going to talk about for this show uh, with our guests. But you know what? We decided to scrap all that because we want to talk about the current uh, economic situation and what's going on in the world of apartment owners who are at this point in time doing everything they can to batten down the hatches and prepare for an upcoming storm. So, Without any further ado, let's actually hear it from an expert who's out there in the trenches, uh, Mr. Jason Yurusi uh, from uh, Yurusi Holdings, which is a multifamily investment firm with just about over 1,800 units uh, under ownership. Jason, welcome to the show, and thank you so much for joining. We really appreciate having you on board. Well, thank you. It's 800. We're right about 800, not 1,800. We'll, we'll oh. get there. We'll get there, but right now, we're, we're running the course with the 800 we got, so... Well, we, we apologize for that. 800 units. Um, so Jason, I mean, let's get it started. Why don't you tell us a quick little background on yourself and sort of uh, how you got into the apartment business? Sure. So come from a family construction background, uh, really heavily delegated in lifting and moving homes, uh, which occurs a lot for us now uh, in flood areas. And uh, that hub here in New Jersey spawned back in 2012, got heavily inundated where people need to meet the FEMA requirements and hopefully not get flooded again. Very active in that business. And it occurred to us throughout, you know, we were having our first child, my wife, Peely and I, and we could just work 25 hours a day if it was there, eight days a week. And we knew we had to find a, a way to get our time back. And with that progression, we had always thought about real estate, made the leap, we'll say, into the residential side, started doing flips and the wholesales and things like that, where we quickly realized with how busy we were, we just added ourselves another job. Did that for a while as we continued to grow with our construction firm, really build out our brand. And we stumbled upon buying out-of-state rentals. And it was this great, part where I was able to use a lot of my background opening businesses to 
to really treat it like a business, put together the team, have the operation run. And it dawned on me where those were just, you know, small three and four units that if I could do that on that capacity, well, why can I do that on a 50 unit or a hundred unit? And that was the evolution for us to really dive in, learning everything we could about that process, find other people that were doing it successfully, follow their trends. And then that led us from selling those properties to jump into our first acquisition back in 2017, which was a 94 unit. And that's led us throughout up until where we are today. Well, you know, Jason, it's, it's, such a, it's such a great story. You know, there's a lot of people out there that are listening to the show that um, have probably gotten started in apartment investing or are sort of right at the edge and thinking about getting into it. Um, we want to talk today about what the, uh, the economic situation is and how it's impacting apartment owners. And so I figure what the first question that we wanted to ask you is, um, how, how exactly are you preparing uh, for the, uh, the impact that is unfolding for us, literally right before our eyes? What, what, are, what are some of the things that you guys are doing with your portfolio to prepare for this uh, pending uh, economic crisis that we're entering into? Yeah, sure. So very interesting scenario here. Um, unfortunately, a lot of points, the, the one common ground is we will get through this. And that's the one part for everything. You have to prepare for all the worst parts, but you can't focus on just the worst thing possible because it's likely not going to happen. We're going to have a series of events to go through there. So we're looking at across the board from four angles. We're looking at liquidity. We're looking at tenants. We're looking at the capital expenditures of the building and the loan. And when we're focusing on those four components and really breaking it down, it allows us to give clarity. The one thing I could say right now to business owners and owners out there is that, okay, if you had your moment of freak out, that's fine. Okay, we get it. Like this is, it's going to be a tough situation. It's going to be bumps in the road, but you got to get back to reality is that you got to keep pushing forward and other people need you and depend on you. So now you have to get back to really just putting things in the chunks that can be actual chunks. So we're looking at this first from the tenant scenario. The tenants, of course, or in a very precarious position here. Um, they're without income or told to be without income and maybe they don't have a job to go back to. So there potentially is going to be a stimulus bill that, that may provide some money to them. Well, is that money going to even substantiate what they need to actually survive and live, right? Because they're going to have the option here where they either are going to pay rent or they're not going to pay rent. And that bucket of not paying rent is going to be either because they choose not to or they can't or some middle part from there. So we wanna make sure we're, we have a great line of communication going on with the tenants. We have a, a firm uh, mean of communication. We're opening up the channels for however we can communicate. So whether it's through text message or email or letters or a mix or combination of both, we wanna have a, a chain of command coming through so we can have some kind of inclination of where our tenants stand in terms of their current employment and where the potential future employment looks for how they're doing in terms of just capacity and then uh, that can give us some idea what we're looking for going into april do you have any idea or do you have any sort of inkling on what sort of percent revenue hit that you might you might be taking across your portfolio here uh, as we head into these april may time frames you know at this moment, we've been very active in being responsible for the tenants, and we haven't had a ton of negative communication back. So we're really running out cash flow projectives to projections to look at it from a number of different, you know, okay, do we have 10% collection? Do we have 25% collection? Do we have 50% collection? Do we go on the worst part to 75% collection? We're running those models out to see how it looks like. In terms of having a true number, no, time's going to tell, and we're going to be there quickly here. We're, we're putting at the end of March, um, we know there's going to be a disruption. 
and we're preparing accordingly and we're doing to get ahead of that we're looking at uh, okay the building side right now just to be respectful of tenants and to make sure we're having our our employee employment force safe we are strictly dealing with things that are either if there's a vacant unit okay we can turn that but if there are critical items that are that are maybe life threatening or other points or you know if there's trip hazards or there's concrete step work that needs to be fixed or there's something of uh, a broken pipe things that are immediate uh, repairs that need to happen are going to happen but if you have something like installing new mailboxes or um, fixing on um, brickwork or painting uh, the exterior of, of a building, we're going to hold off on all those CapEx projects to really just to push forward to make sure we're working on liquidity. Past that, we've now had conversation with all of our lenders, not that we're in any precarious position, but we want to make sure to see where their stance is on things, how they're treating things, and also learn from them. What are they What are they telling other operators out there? What are they seeing from oper other operators? And what, then are you, we're, what are you hearing uh, in communicating to your investors? I mean, investors to put money into these transactions uh what are you what are you telling them and if you started to cut back on distributions yet or just letting them know that we're coming back on distributions or what what, what are you guys doing for communication so we haven't taken that step yet to cut back in distributions we did give a full update to all investors across the board about what what's actually happening as they're full aware how we're treating this, this scenario, how we're going forward to really work with the tenants to see where we are. We did say that this could be a future possible need to do this, looking at where we'd be. But right now we're continuing on business as usual uh, because we don't want to go in there and, and cut everything at the knees just for the point until we can actually assess everything, right? So I don't want to go in there and start, I've heard um, other operators start cutting out maintenance staff and doing these things that are, that are really going to handicap the building. But we want the building to still be able to function within points of keeping it on a skeleton operation. So in terms of what we're doing for investors, answering any specific questions, but we find that, and I found this all along, is that if I'm ahead of it, telling investors that there is gonna be a hiccup here. We're doing all these different points to be ahead of this hiccup, but ultimately here, there is gonna be a hiccup. And as soon as we have more information, we'll follow back. That generally leads to investors at least having that moment of clarity that we're addressing the situation. We're not bending, bending it, throwing it under a rug and assuming, okay, we'll deal with it when it gets there. Did you, um, you said you had initial conversations with your lenders. Uh, what did you, what'd you talk about and what was some of their advice? So they're in a situation where we, we did have some guidance today, but they did not at terms of uh, from last week to this week, all, speaking with all lenders, they just say, okay, thank you for reaching out for us. We have a list of people who have actively reached out. They're, they have not had true guidance right now because they're waiting for guidance from others, aka Fanny and Freddie. And since that guidance just came down, that will be relayed from there. Um, but their true, true part right here is that we are ahead of it. We, we appreciate you reaching out. Uh, we have a list of everyone who has reached out. Um, in terms of their feedback, uh, if for what other operators are saying, everybody is in this situation where with all the uncertainty, they're preparing, but they strictly don't have a streamline of what everybody's doing in terms of preparation. You know, Polly, I mean, you're, you, you, do a, you do a ton of loans and you service uh, and underwrite a, a ton of loans uh, with your company. I mean, what are you hearing out there uh, in terms of what lenders are saying uh, about this uh, current situation? Uh, it's, it's not good. I mean, uh, you know, but they're still lending. If you, if, uh, if you're, if you have a transaction that uh, you are still part of that, you have it unwound, 
uh, because you think there's just going to be additional pricing uh, leverage or you know, lowering of, of trend, lowering of the leverage itself. So instead of getting 80%, maybe 75, now 75 becomes 70. We're starting to see lower leverage points in some of these, these transactions. We're starting to see a 100-point uh, uh, interest rate increase on Fannie Mae loans from Friday till this, this, this past Monday. So the bond buyers just don't know really about what's going on. I would say just talk with your individual servicer, your lender, to kind of figure out about where they're at right now. But yeah, you, and I mean, Polly, basically what you're saying is 100-point spread. You're, you're, you're telling me that, you know, literally like from maybe three or four weeks ago, we've seen spreads against a 10-year treasury for a loan that somebody's going to put on these properties going up by one full percentage point. Is that right? Yeah, five and a quarter is kind of, is kind of the new three, 3.75 as it was like three weeks ago. <laughs> it's crazy. So wow. uh, the bond buyers just don't know what, they're, what, what they have. And so they're going towards the conservative to kind of make sure that there is uh, continued liquidity in, in the marketplace itself. And you can just imagine as a, as a potential buyer, what, 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 what type of scenarios that you're, you're coming under when your, your spread goes up by a point, your, your loan goes up by a point, you're talking a huge hit to cash flow. You're talking about possibly a big reduction in the, the loan amount uh, based on hitting uh, DSCR coverage limits. So, I mean, these are yeah. potentially disastrous impacts if you, if you've got a deal in the hopper right now. The other part of that qu- equation is too, and this is something that's new, is because we just don't know what it's going to be like in May or June or August. Uh, Fannie Mae is coming out with some new guidance uh, saying that uh, if there's transactions of above $6 million, they want to have 12 months of principal interest taxes and insurance and replacement reserves to be brought in too. Transactions under $6 million, bucks, they want 18 months of principal interest taxes insurance to that. So that was just. So that's, that's of, due right when you close the loan, uh, right when you close the deal, you're coming in with that type of money in addition to everything else that you've got to bring in. That's right. And so uh, when you're doing the capital raise, uh, this is brand new. So talk with your loan officer, your lenders in these deals, just to make sure that you understand before you go into these deals, uh, what the full extent of uh, additional costs or fees is going to, is going to be. And then we, when we underwrite these deals that we know that, you know, January, February, March, were pretty good numbers, but what's going to be February, March, and April or April, May, and June type of stuff. So if you get in the middle of these deals, we don't know what that is going to look like when we're trying to get the best debt coverage we can for these transactions. And you have one or two months that are declining net revenue numbers. And so we're going to start to see, like I was saying before, we're going to start, you know, 80 is the new is going to be gone and maybe 75 is now 70, 70. Yeah. We're going to look at even lower leverage too in these deals. So, uh, you know, that's why we're kind of talking with Jason, just kind of get his ideas on how he's operating right now. And, you know, he lives in New Jersey, but your properties, the majority are in Kentucky. Kentucky. Correct. And then on those type of transactions, is that a pretty good state to work with in terms of, you know, in, in typical days, if the tenant doesn't pay, uh, can you get them out of there? Correct. Or yeah. you have to wait for six months or a year like yeah. some of these other states? 
No, it's a, it's a very uh, landlord-friendly state, and the eviction process is pretty seamless. Um, it, funny enough, we, we have a pretty streamlined deal. You know, we have one building that we're currently in the repositioning phase, but the other is stabilized. And we actually ha- just had uh, two evictions go through, which were the remaining two we had. And we were at, for the first time ever on a property, zero zero dollars in collections for a month on one property which i've never seen before and uh, even if you usually get some small balance or something else so it, it, the delta from where we were last month to this month is going to be very interesting to see across the board of where we are there um, but in terms of the kentucky with the and across the board just the shutting down an eviction process and now the the loan regulation about if you do look at you know, ways if you do want to for, go into forbearance about um, holding any eviction process you, you do have to do some real thinking right about about what's best for your property what's best for operations what's best for you know, your investors so there's going to be a, a threshold here where, where you're going to have to make a, a decision at a point uh, you know okay we power through with as is you know and and just see where the lights are and on that fact it, which that sounds like the direction that that might be most most attractive but when you're looking at that, you, you really do need to make sure there's no fat in your operations. And this comes down to um, just any business itself, right? Um, some of the points here is that, you know, when things are good, you, you, you kind of don't pay attention to all the little things that are, that are bleeding you out, right? It's like, um, you know, just a person in general. You, you, we may have 5, 10, 20 subscriptions that we don't even pay attention, attention to each month or, you know, debiting from our bank account that are, you know, $2, $10, $20, but those add up over time, right? You know, don't even pay pay attention to happening because you're just in the groove. Well, businesses happen the same way. They have these, these expenses that are going out that are just little expenses, but are just eating away, but are not necessary to the actual operation of the building. So I would, I would definitely be looking at that. I, I would also be looking at practices throughout the building. So um, if you're talking about common areas, is there a way that we can cut down expenses on, on utilities in the common areas? Contracts. I would definitely look into contract services right now. What are absolute need contract services? What are points that I can maybe looking at our current contract services and are we overpaying? Because many times contracts renew from time to time, year to year, or whatever that point, and you may not pay attention and that they're now over market because they're giving you step ups in their contract terms from year to year. So I'd be looking at that. I may be looking at garbage pickup. If I have garbage picking up happen up two or three times a week, is that necessary? Can we get away with uh, potentially moving to one for the need be, especially for that point? Um, is there any other operations here where I can look at here? Leasing wise, do I have to take um, some potential um, rent concessions going forward just to get people in the door that we know are going to be at least coming in paying into units if I do have available units. Uh, currently, we have a protocol where we don't accept partial payments with tenants. So now going forward, we are reassessing that. We're looking at points here where we we are going to look at some form of having a payment plan with tenants here. Uh, we do do moving fees on our properties uh, in, in lieu of deposits. So we do that in terms of a surety bond. So if people haven't thought about that, approach that's another way where if you do have tenants moving in you may be able to get additional income 
coming to your bottom line up front instead of having money put into security that, that's really just sitting there for, for a worst case scenario down the pipeline. Um, I would definitely be looking at your utilities now. If and when things do open up and you get back in units, I'd be doing water walks to make sure that we don't have anything to a function of a bunch of leaky pipes. Um, I, I'd be doing the things that are could substantially cut down across the board together, but may look like little costs overall. So those little costs are usually what sinks the ship right there. It's a great point, Jason. I, one of the things that I wrote down that you had mentioned earlier is, you know, and and uh, you've you've got some some properties that are in the middle of being repositioned, and you've got others that are sort of you know stabilized, and you're operating them, you know, sort of as stabilized properties. Talk a little bit about these uh, these assets that are under repositioned. Potentially, you're putting some some money into uh, you know the amenities. Potentially, you're upgrading units. Uh, what is your strategy here going forward with the impending downturn in terms of any adjustments you might make to the amount of capital that you're putting into repositioning these these properties real time? Yeah, so we actually just had 112 toilets show up today because we're changing all the toilets for Louis Flush toilets. So as we have them on site, um, I, I did bring out an additional maintenance guy to really help with one. Um, the way that that's going to do it, it's going to help me at least run the business, um, running through cash flow right there with the maintenance guy instead of bringing on additional CapEx projects. So we're going to have one of those guys step off, continue as as needed, putting in those toilets one by one as we can get into those units. Um, we also had mailboxes, change out the mailboxes. Um, on the units, we're going to change those out. We do have brick work where we had a, um, we there was a, a the brick, brick work was actually, it's not structural, but it was, it was collapsing over time. So we're in the middle of that. So I'm going to finish that project so there's not a harm out there. And then we're going to hold tight. None of these other things are dire to the property that need to happen for this property to operate. The property is fully functional. These were things that were going to make it, make it improve better. So at this point, we are just going to hold tight and really just sitting our, sit on our hands in terms of capital expenditures for the next, it could be two weeks, could be four weeks, until we have a better lay of the land of where we're going, and then we can reassess from there which projects are going to come up first and how we're going to move to completion on those projects. You know, discipline is such an important point right now that, uh, you know, you get a fat guy like me, I don't see me running in a 100-mile race but you have guys like uh, like Jason, who I guess is a CrossFit fanatic, that he shows discipline and has the ability to jump and run 65 miles or 100 miles, or wherever the hell he does. I mean, I think everything comes down to discipline. And, and uh, you know, are you going to go out for a race this weekend, Jason, or tomorrow? Well, I'm not doing a group race, is that where you got that point, but I'm going to go out there. I, I got a buddy who's actually uh, down in North Carolina. I said, hey, I'm going to do this run. You want to do this run, I, you know, across social media. So we're just going to get out there and run 38 miles on, on Saturday. But I, but I actually, I, I'll, I'll give you one thing for that. The one thing I thought about that is these, these long races, right, is that if you think about it overall, right, if you think about this, and I, I wrote something on this recently where if you think about running 100 miles, it almost seems like insurmountable. Right. And so if you think about, I'm going to go run a hundred miles, you, your mind just is like, I can't grasp it. Right. And so when you break it out into chunks, and like this thing right now is like, it could be insurmountable. If you think about it overall, like all the dire effects that could happen for all these people out there. But when I'm doing these races, I just start breaking it down, get to the point. Okay. Can I just run the first 25 miles? Okay. I get there. Can I just run the next 25 miles? Okay. I get there. And then it, as it gets harder, right. Cause it, it does, it's not so much your legs, it becomes your minds. Well, the next game is, well, can I just make it to the tree? Okay. Can I just make it to that bridge? 
okay, can I just make it 500 steps? And that's kind of like it is now, right? It's just going to be this point here is that everyone's going to get through this. There's going to be, you know, some chinks in the armor and some things that are going to go down. But if we can just keep finding that next point and just keep getting to that point and saying, okay, I just got to get there. And when I get there, then let's figure it out. You'll find you're going to get, you're going to get through this. You're just going to say, I just got to get to this next tree. And then you say, okay, I got to the tree. Okay, can I, can I just get to that next step? And it's going to be the same thing for all these operations out there. Can you just get to that next milestone and then reassess from there? I, I love that analogy, uh, Jason. Really, thank you for, for, for bringing that up. You know, uh, I think it's uh, for guys like me who tend to be a little bit more sort of uh, what I would say, um, you know, numerically different, analytical, analytically driven. I think sometimes we actually do forget um, that it's all about putting one step and uh, one foot in front of the other to kind of move mm-hmm. forward. And, and, I, and I would agree with you that that is kind of where we're at. We, we don't exactly know what, what's going to happen in the next two, three months in terms of how this uh, economic downturn is going to impact our properties. Um, and we're doing everything that we can to prepare for that. But at the end of the day, um, we're going to have to make adjustments on the fly and just keep it going and, yeah. and, and keep getting to the other side, as you, as you rightly pointed out. So thank you for reminding us about that. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the ability to be, to be nimble right now, which when you have an apartment building, it's, it's a huge structure. It's not the easiest thing, but the more you can be nimble in terms of your operations right now, because you are going to have to pivot. There's going to be every plan and then the, the actual plan. So that, that's going to be in where we talked about house lifting before. That's kind of the thing is that we have every house we come to, we have the perfect plan to be able to lift the house. And then we actually have the plan we do because every house has its unknowns when you get under the house and start looking into the house of what's happened as the house ages. There have been a ton of rot as, you know, um, has there been structural issues under the house? Um, you know, they put an addition on, did they just not even nail the addition to the house? All kinds of things that pop up throughout. That's great. Now, uh, you know, you're, you're a marathoner. Sprinters are not necessary. So, you know, I guess we'll all make it through this with uh, the best that we can. If people want to get more information, Jason, about what you do, what's the best way for them to get a hold of you? Sure. So uh, they can go over to yarusiholdings.com, uh, Y-A-R-U-S-I holdings.com. Uh, reach us there, or you can follow me on Instagram at Jason Yarusi. And my wife and I, we have a podcast together, the Jason and Peely Project, which may be, as I was saying earlier, maybe the Jason or Peely Project for the time being with all the kids and the, and the dogs at home. So <laughs> That's great. Uh, we appreciate you being on, on the show. And Thank especially... You. Uh, uh, working from your house these days, like most of us are. Uh, JC, if somebody wanted to get more information about what you do, and again, what is what? Do, what do you do, JC? Uh, what do we JC? do? Well, Paulie, you know, we we just love to help people. Uh, we love to help people make smart uh, multifamily investment decisions. I mean, that's why we started this show, Paulie. And uh, our company's been doing this for about 13, 14 years now, uh, buying uh, big apartment properties. And so if you're out there and you're, you're looking to potentially get into multifamily and you're not sure uh, how or, or where to turn to to get started, uh, feel free to reach out to our company and you can get a free 15-minute consultation with myself by going to our website, multifamilypropertygroup.com. Again, go to multifamilypropertygroup.com, click on the contact us section of the website and request a 15-minute consultation and I would be happy to sound and see how we might be able to help you out. Polly. You also help quite a number of people out um, with your company. Why don't you uh, let folks know how they can get a hold of you and what, what do you do, Polly, at your company? 
Well, I mean, let's get back to what you do. I mean, let's let's talk about buying a hard <laughs> asset. You know, people, the majority of the of wealthy United States is created by real estate, and uh, this is just uh, maybe a little bit of a winter time for the real estate business. I mean, there's spring, summer, uh, fall, and winter, and we're going through a little bit of the, the, the winter time of it, but it'll come around back to the springtime and the summertime within a matter of either weeks or months. And so I'm not too worried about that, especially if you, you're looking for some, some bonus depreciation. If you, uh, we don't want to forget about that. The, so one of the reasons why people invest in commercial real estate is for the tax advantages of it too. So always think about that. Old Capital, don't forget the Old Capital podcast, downloaded 50,000 times uh, uh, a month. You know, we give you up-to-date information about what's really our perspective about what's going on. I mean, I've done this for 35 years. I've closed 5,700 apartment loans, and I've seen the ups and I've seen the downs. And I think, uh, just like Jason says, you, you've got to be a long-distance runner. You've got to be disciplined. And you start. You need to get some uh, these little wins that will add up to bigger wins. Mm -hmm. In in raising income uh, of other ways, but just keep an eye on your expenses too. That's the biggest thing. And overly communicate to your servicers about what's going on. If you're having if you're having any questions, you can contact us at oldcapitallending.com. We're more than happy to, to give you some just a, uh, our advice of 35 years of doing this. So again, Jason, thanks for hanging out with us. We appreciate that. Uh, tell your 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 little. Well, baby in the back, we appreciate her yeah. uh, for him keeping, <laughs> up, keeping her voice uh, heard. Yep, so right. we, we appreciate you. That's right. Uh, JC, thanks for hanging out. We appreciate it. I'm Paul Peebles. Have a great day.